Actually, I'm going to start out with a prayer, and then I'm going to a story. Father, I thank you that, that we've been able to go on this journey together. Lord, I thank you we're in week 15 of reading about you with your people. And I'm asking God that you would prepare not only me to speak, I've been preparing, I've been praying, but also the hearts and minds of everyone here to receive from you through this scripture, through this application, practical steps and insights and revelation to continue to walk with you as we get to be a part of your story, God. We want to be a blessing to you, and we want to be a blessing in this earth. So empower us today, equip us today, and let our minds and our hearts connect with your word. And God, I humbly ask for you to speak through me by your Holy Spirit as I share from the scripture. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Joshua, if you're here for the first time, and I'm really glad that you're here. Um, I'm very excited about it. We've been on a journey now through the story. I think we've been talking about that. It's a 31-week journey. We're going through the whole story of the Bible chronologically. We're using excerpts from the Bible so that you can get a, a, an understanding of the scope and the beauty of God's journey with us through history from creation up to this day. And we're going to be continuing on that journey. If you're here for the first time, I have a gift for you. I'm going to give you a copy. We are going to give you a copy of the story. And so we'd love for you to be able to follow along with us for the next 16 weeks. And, uh, and so I will be at the back, and I'd love to shake your hand and greet you and meet you and give you a copy of that book. If you've been attending and you don't have a copy, I'd like to encourage you to get a copy and use that for your devotional time, your quality time with the Lord, so we can go together on this journey. Uh, I think there's $7, and you can come back and purchase the copy today if you are willing to do that. So let's just jump in. I got a story for you. I remember a time when the Lord had given me a word for this young lady uh, who attended YWAM with me. So we just talked about YWAM, and Karen and I went through YWAM as well. In fact, we went to Kona, which makes us pretty excited that Mercy's going there. And so during this time in YWAM, God had given me this picture of this young lady, and she was dancing. She was twirling in a little red and white polka dot dress. Oh, come now. Let us reason together. Here we go. All right, praise the Lord. And that was it, just a picture of her. She's in a field, she's twirling in a little polka dot dress. And I had no insight, I had no encouragement, I had no understanding as to what it meant. I just saw distinctly this little girl dressing, or in a little red and white polka dot dress. And so... I said, okay, Lord, what does it mean? Nothing. Well, what do you want me to tell her about that? I get nothing. Is there some kind of an insight or meaning that I can go and bring this to her? Nothing. <laughs> Just a picture. So I couldn't shake the feeling, though, that this, that this was for her. And so after trying to get God to give me a little more insight, trying to get God to give me a little bit more understanding of what it was, I finally just relented and took it to her. And so I came to her and said, listen, I feel like I have a message for you. Actually, just a picture I saw, I said to her. I related to her that I had no idea what it meant, but I felt like it was for her. I was a little upset with God because I'd been asking him to bless me with better ability to deliver prophetic messages uh, from him. And all he was giving me was this snapshot. And then not letting me in on what it meant or giving me any super cool info that would absolutely blow this girl's mind and let her know what an awesome God that she has as well as what a prophetic stud that I am. <laughs> I told her I saw this young girl twirling in a field and she was wearing a red and white polka dot dress. 
As I conveyed the message, she began to cry. Tears rolled down her cheeks, and she both smiled and wept. For those of you who know me, this is always a good thing. I need some feedback that things are working. So tears or laughter usually mean God is doing something, so I get an A+. As she was obviously having an encounter with God in some way, I was very much encouraged, but I still wasn't receiving any insights from God. And so I did one of the most spiritual things any of us should do in this kind of a situation. I asked questions, and she responded. She said, that little girl is me. I remember that day. It was the last time that I remember being glad that I was born a girl. She shared that she had always believed that her daddy wanted a boy, and it was a mistake that she'd been born a girl. She had embraced being a tomboy, being anything that she could be to be more like a boy. Anything that she could do to not just be a girl. God was telling her that she's not a mistake. He's glad that she's a girl. It was just as he planned. And he used that message to start her on a journey into embracing her true identity and beginning to thrive as a daughter of God. I didn't bring any insight or understanding to this young lady's heart. God did. The Holy Spirit opened up her heart and her understanding all at once. And yet he did it when I was faithful to deliver the message that he gave me. Did you catch that? He, he did it. He brought revelation. He brought insight. But he did it when I brought the message. Yet all he gave me was that snapshot. This story is not unique. Truly, this is what happens each time we deliver the message of the gospel. The prophetic word of God's love for each of us. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings the message of God's kingdom to people's hearts. I had no idea what the impact of that message was going to be on that young woman. All that I had was, a, was this snapshot. Well, something very much like it. But when I brought it to her, suddenly the Holy Spirit opened her eyes up and it took her on this journey where now she's thriving and she's glad she was born a girl. She understands that God wasn't saying, oh, I made a mistake. You're a man trapped in a woman's body. Your dad was upset and you should be upset. No, rather God came and said, no, no, no. I am your father. I'm your daddy. And I love that you're a girl. And further, you're my daughter. You're the daughter of God. And she's doing well to this day. Here's what's interesting. All I had to do was be faithful to deliver the message. He did all that other stuff. Now I got to be a part of that. I had to be faithful to bring it. You notice he didn't give her the picture. He let me share in that. He let me be a part of that story. He let me be a part of that journey. I got to be a part of her breakthrough. But I didn't get to know everything that was going on, and I had no idea what the outcome was going to be when I brought the message. I just had to be faithful to serve her by bringing her the message. John 16, verses 7 through 11 say this. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he's come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Sin, because they don't believe in me. Righteousness, 
because I go to my Father and see you, and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. So Satan has been judged. Jesus Christ has died and risen again. We know this. We get to, we get to look backwards into history here in just a moment with Elijah. But we know that Jesus has died. He's risen again. He's gone to be with the Father. He's at his right hand, and we're, we're mopping up on earth. We're extending the kingdom of heaven until he comes back. But it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God in us that's bringing the outcome. He's the one that convicts us of sin. He's the one that convicts us of righteousness. Of righteousness because Jesus isn't here demonstrating the heart of God anymore. You know who gets to do that now? Us. We get to carry the message, but the Spirit of God is the one that brings the outcome. Are you with me? He's the one that brings that conviction. We just bring the information that we have. We're faithful to serve by bringing that message. The point I want to make here is that the weight of the message when I shared with this young woman, was never on me. To quote Clark, it's not on me. It's, it's not on me. It's not on you. And it's not on me. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, next year we're going to do Clark again, I think, and then you'll know. Little, little teaser there. Did you feel that? You see, the beauty of it is, is that God is the one bringing the effect based on the individual's response to his message and his word. God's the one that brings the effect. I just have to bring the message. You guys with me? All right. So, here we go. Here we go. What does this have to do with Elijah? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. What's happening right now in the story is that Israel has broken apart. Israel is no longer uh, all together the 12 tribes. Now it's split apart. Judah is still continuing to sort of follow the Lord. They've had horrible king after horrible king. They're not doing very well. Israel is busted apart from there. They're going by the name Israel, although there's no longer 12 tribes. And they're devastated by sin. It's, it's a mess. It's a hot mess. They're worshiping idols. They're worshiping specifically Baal, who's a... Who's a, a um, a god of those, of those areas. It's, he's kind of a popular god at that time. They're worshiping Baal. There's, there's uh, 450 priests of Baal that are leading Israel. And Ahab, he's a wicked bad king. And his wife Jezebel, who's a wicked bad queen. And they're leading Israel into sin. And Israel is in deception. It's, it's under destruction. And so God sends Elijah to Israel. He sends Elijah to Israel, who's buried in this deception, who's buried in this demonic activity, serving this, this, this Baal, which really just represents another one of, of Satan's demigods, taking the affection from God and, and, and putting it towards these idols and towards their own selfishness. And so God sends Elijah. And Elijah shows up to, to Ahab and he says, he says, it's not going to rain, Ahab. It's not going to rain anymore. I'm going to pray. This is amazing. In the New Testament later, it says that Elijah was just like us. But when he prayed, it didn't rain for three years. So Elijah, a man just like us, God says, go and tell Ahab that because Israel is sinning against me and because you've turned away, there won't be any rain in the land. So Elijah goes and delivers the message and then he prays and says, Lord, then let it not rain. And so Ahab is very, very angry. 
because it doesn't rain. And Elijah has to go and hide. He's gone for three years. And that's where we're going to jump into the story here. This is one of the messengers that God has sent because he wants to win. He wants to win Israel's heart back because he cares about Israel. He hasn't given up on Israel. He hasn't given up on his promises. He's sending the word of the Lord through Elijah, one of these messengers. And here Elijah comes and it's been three years and he comes and he says, okay, How long will you waver between two gods, he says to Israel. How long will you waver between two gods? If Baal is God, then serve him. But if the Lord is God, then serve him. And they have a showdown. This is one of my favorite showdowns. How many of you guys have favorite showdowns, right? This this is a good one. Who's here? This is one of their favorites. Yeah, come on, hold them high. It's a good one. It's a good one. He says, if if Baal is God, he says, what we're going to do is we're going to take a bull. We're going to cut it up. We're going to put it onto the altar. We're going to put some wood there, put it on the altar. But here's the, but here's the thing. We're not going to light it on fire. Now, there's only 450 of, of you priests for Baal, so you guys go first. It's like giving him a head start. I love that. It's Elijah. He's the only prophet that we know of at that time, <laughs> or that he knows of at that time. And he's, he's like, well, you guys are going to need a little help. Why don't you start first? And so you're going to call on the name of your God, and whoever answers by fire, whoever answers by fire, well, then that, that's the God that you serve. So they start, and they start calling out to God, and they start, or to Baal, and they're, and they're yelling and screaming, and, and, and I love it. Elijah, he's having fun at this point. He says, well, maybe he's going to the bathroom. I love that. Maybe Baal's in the, he's in the can. It's in there, check. <laughs> love it. I just love it, you know? This is, that's a good part of the story. I feel like I could do Elijah's part pretty well. Anyway, just that part, just the, anyway, let's move on. So they start cutting themselves, and and nothing happens. So then it's Elijah's turn. They call out for half a day, nothing happens. Now it's Elijah's turn. It's late in the day. So he cuts up his bull. He takes the altar. It says that he takes 12 stones, and he makes a new altar. It says he restores the altar of the Lord. He takes 12 stones, one for each tribe of Israel. I want you to catch the beauty of that language, because God is coming to a nation that's not calling for God. He's calling to a nation that's forgotten God, and he sends Elijah to bring the message. And then he brings, and then when Elijah comes, he takes 12 stones of a nation that's been split apart because of wickedness and foolishness and sin. And he says, Restore those 12 stones of a nation that's broken apart. And then take the take the, the bull, cut it up, put it on top of those, of those stones. Do you see the do you see the imagery there? You see the imagery that God is rebuilding Israel? He's calling Israel back. He's saying, you might, be, you might be split apart. You might be 10 tribes and two tribes. You might be 11 tribes and one tribe. You might be all the kind of political nonsense right now, but I'm saying, I've called you Israel. And so he takes those 12. This is his message. I love you and I want to make you one. So he cuts it up. He puts it on there. And then, and then so that no one doubts, he says, pour water on it. Pour water on that thing. Dig a trench around it and pour water on it because I don't want you guys to just be thinking that it's pretty hot out here. I mean, it hasn't rained in a long time, so the idea of a forest fire isn't that far-fetched. Maybe the sun was just shining and, and maybe, maybe one stone hit against another and lit that thing on fire. I don't want anybody doubting whether or not God's going to answer by fire. Clearly, Baal didn't, but I don't want you to misunderstand this miracle. So pour water on it. So they pour water on it. He says, do it again. So they do it again. Do it again a third time, he says. So they do it a third time. So much so that the trench around the altar is filled with water. So everything's wet. The wood is wet. The, the, the stones are wet. The, the, the trench is wet. And then he says, okay, God. And I love this prayer. He says, okay, God. 
so that this people will know that you're calling their hearts back to you, answer by fire. So that this people will know. Don't you love that? So that this people will know. They're not even calling for God at this point. But God is calling for them. And he gives them a sign and it, it lights it lights. And it burns up the water, it burns up the stones, it burns up everything. And the people go, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Now, the backstory here is that the other, the other prophets had killed all the prophets of God because they'd said Baal is the one true God. So anyone who doesn't serve Baal or Ashtoreth is a false prophet. And so they'd killed all the other prophets that they could find. So when God comes and says, no, I am the Lord God. At this point, the people grab all of those 450 prophets of Baal who a few minutes, not a few minutes back, but, if, but for the last few days have been killing, the last few years, I'm sorry, have killed all of the prophets of God and he puts them to death. I want to give you the backstory because that just seems a little harsh, right? Baal just grabs the sword and starts killing prophets. Well, they had killed all the others because they were bringing this false religion and persecuting the prophets of God. So they kill all 450 of those prophets and the people are there. They've grabbed all the prophets and they're saying, you've been lying to us. You're not the real God. You were saying the real God. And now the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is calling Israel back. And then Elijah says to Ahab, listen, you better hitch up your chariot and get back to your castle because rain's coming. And you guys know the story. Elijah goes and he prays for rain. The rain comes and then the Spirit of God comes upon Elijah and he runs in front of the chariot, which is just all this super cool superhero part of Elijah's journey with God. These wonderful miracles because God has given Elijah a message to serve Israel by bringing them the word of the Lord that I am calling you back. I'm calling you back. My promises are good and I want you to turn back to me. Beautiful day, right? Not a great day. It's a good day. How many of you have had a good day where God just came through? Bam, miracles. You're like, are you kidding me? You know, you open up the mail. There's that check. How did this happen? 11th hour check. Yes. Repentance. Reconciliation. Miraculous healing. How many of you have had a good day, right? We've seen this happen. We've, we've experienced this. Am I right? Breakthrough. Taxes got... Got forgiven. The government called you and said, sorry, we were charging too much. Here's a check. What? Yes. Hallelujah. It's a good day. Elijah's having a good day. Ahab goes to Jezebel, his wicked wife, and says, so, baby, you know how you love Baal and stuff? Um, yeah, it turns out he's not God. And I know because the story you just heard and anyway, they're all dead uh, because Elijah killed them after God answered with fire. And did you notice it's raining? So what do you think, babe? Should we serve the Lord? And she says, far be it from me. Here's what she says. She sends a message to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. This is Elijah. He hears and he runs for his life. This is a big switch, isn't it? This is a big switch. This guy just killed 450 people with a sword. Fire came out of heaven and ate stones as well as the calf. 
It's raining now. It hasn't rained in three years now. It's pouring so much that Ahab had to get ahead of the storm. But then this happens, and she says, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. Elijah hears about it, and he runs, and he goes underneath of a broom tree. It says, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. How many of you have had a bad day? And it's the day right after the good day, isn't it? You're like, yes, breakthrough, revival, finally, hallelujah. The guy we voted for made it into office. Now things are going to change. Ah, oh, Congress did nothing different. Things are not going to change. Oh, our favorite people are now head of the school board. Things are going to change. Ah, oh, the school didn't change at all. Things aren't going to change. I finally got this business. Yes. Oh, my gosh, this business has gotten me in debt. No. Are you guys alive out there? I mean, am I the only one that has problems? He's having a bad day. And he says, I want to die. I just want to die. Now, here's the thing you got to realize. God just came through and called a whole nation back to himself. And not only did he do, do that, not only is it a beautiful message, but he backed it up. He backed it up with fire so that Israel would know that God's calling him back. Here's the bummer. Israel didn't want to come back. They didn't, want, they, weren't, they didn't want to do that yet. They weren't ready to do that. You see, Elijah was faithful to bring the message. But the response of those leaders was not to repent and turn. And the response of most of that nation was not to repent and return. And so Elijah's going, man, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I wish I was dead. I just want to die. My country is in shambles. Just let this be the end, Lord. Your people don't want you. Why don't we just quit? <laughs> you know, and we look at Elijah and we think, dude, come on, buck up a little bit. But aren't we just like Elijah, though, in some ways? You know, it's like, gosh, we really thought we were going to see some change, you know? Like, I thought that hopey, changey thing was going to work out. Let's just let this be the end. Maybe it's just the end. I just want to die. Just come, Lord. Come on, right? Right? America's really in debt right now. Our nation does not seem very intent on following the Lord right now. There have been some good revivals, but at the same time, this is terrible. It doesn't seem like our leaders really want to follow. In fact, our leader actually currently said we're no longer a Christian nation. Maybe it's just the end. Let's just let it. It's the, God, we just want to die. Just calm, calm Jesus. And, and so we know what it's like to be discouraged, right? This is not specifically a political speech, by the way. I'm just saying that these things have entered our minds, right? Come on. Some people felt that way back with the Bush administration. Like, man, we voted for this guy, and now we're in debt. It's going to die. Jesus, just come. I think I've made my point. So what do you do when you're discouraged? What do you do when you're discouraged? What do you do in those moments? How do you deal with it when you brought the message, but the people didn't want the message? What do we do? Well, let's look at what God did with Elijah. 
The first thing that happens is it says, Elijah, he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. And so he ate and drank and he lay down. And again, the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. And so he arose and he ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. So the first thing that happened was he took a nap. Guy was tired. He was, it was a big day. I mean, just think about lifting and dropping a sword 450 times, running in front of a chariot faster than horses, making fun of Baal for half the day in the hot sun. It's been a long day. And there's an emotional toll too, by the way. And then to find out after all of that that the leaders have no intention of turning to the Lord. You know, you guys, miracles don't change hearts. Miracles force you to have to make a decision. And if you've already made a decision, a miracle won't change your mind. Now, it may get your attention and you can make a new decision, but the miracle in of itself isn't the decision. You've got to do something with that miracle. I've, I've talked with people who were healed of cancer, healed of cancer, and then came back and said, yeah, I must have been misdiagnosed. What? Yeah, no, that wasn't God. I must have been misdiagnosed. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Because if God can heal someone of cancer, then that means he's the Lord of their life. But if you don't want him to be the Lord of their life, you better come up with a different answer. And that answer was, I must have never had it in the first place then. I mean, if it's not there now, the doctor must have just misdiagnosed it. So the miracle in of itself is not what's going to call a nation back. Now, God did it as evidence that he was calling them back. But the prophetic word and the miracle doesn't make a heart change. You and I have to respond. Right? Are you guys with me? And Elijah, he's right here and he's so discouraged because the truth is, Elijah started to think, I'm responsible to turn this nation back. But the thing is, God wasn't calling Elijah to turn the nation back. God was just calling Elijah to be faithful to serve and to deliver the message so that the nation could decide whether or not they would come back. God's heart was to turn them back, but they didn't want to come back. And so Elijah thinks, well, in that case then, I might as well just die. I might as well just give up. And, he, and I understand why he's discouraged. I mean, I can't even imagine. Because think about it. Think about how excited he was. Like, God, you're actually, this is happening. Fire just came out of the sky. And now it's turned completely around. You and I have seen that. We've experienced that. To have things turn completely around and go the opposite of what we thought. Even in the face, even in the midst of the evidence of the hand of God. And so what do we do in that moment? Like Elijah. What do we do? Well, the first thing is, and I love this part. You notice that Elijah called out to God. So we need to call out to God. And then you know what happened? God entered the situation. And he gave Elijah a nap, which he needed really bad. Elijah needed to take a moment and stop thinking about everything that's going wrong and just go to sleep. He needed emotional and physical rest, and he took that nap. He did. And then God woke him up and said, you need something to eat. And so he ate. Now, he ate angelic food, which is amazing, but there's still a prophetic message for us here. We need to take a break from Fox News or CNN or whatever else 
blogging, hearing all the bad news from your mama. God help me. Take a break, take a rest, eat spiritually, eat physically, sat, be, be satiated by both the word and physically. Take a break from all that. Take a rest from all that bad information. It's okay. Step back. It will be there when you come back. Just step back. Elijah's doing that. And then he takes the food and he goes now to the mountain of God. And I love this. So then God says to him, go outside, and I'm not going to go through all of this, but he says, go outside. And Elijah sees then some more miracles. He sees some more miracles. He sees an earthquake. He sees fire. He sees a mighty wind. God isn't in any of those miracles. And then he hears a still, small voice. And he says, Lord, what do you want to say to me? And here's what God says to him. Then the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel, king over Syria. And also you will anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as the king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. What's he saying? Elijah, I know that you want to die now. I know that you think that it was all on you and that you're the last prophet. I know that you've heard all the promises that I have for Israel, and since Israel isn't choosing me, you might as well die. It might as well be over. I might as well just come back and start over with whoever's righteous that's died at this point, and let's just call it good, because things are dark. Things are bleak. Your nation looks terrible right now. They don't want me. They don't want my blessing. They're not listening. You brought a good message. I demonstrated my goodness, and they don't want it. And so your response, Elijah, is that you think it's all over. You think it's all over. Because your situation is bleak. And Elijah, you're right. It's a hard season. He says, but here's the thing. It's bigger than you, Elijah. It was happening before you got here, and it's going to keep happening after you're gone. Isn't that great news? You know what God does? He says, Elijah, let me show you the vision. You took a nap. You needed it. You ate some food. You needed it. I strengthened you. You needed it. Now I'm giving you vision in my presence. He's in the presence of God, and God says, while he's in his presence, God says, Elijah, here's the vision. It's not going to end with you. It's bigger than you. You get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it, Elijah. Good job carrying it. And guys, let's not forget, Elijah finished the race. There's only Enoch, Jesus, and Elijah that got taken off of the earth without dying. Elijah gets taken up into heaven, and Elisha takes over after him. Elijah finished well. Elijah got it. He learned how to take a nap and eat, be in God's presence, and let God give him the vision back. And then you know what he did? He finished well. And it's for us today. Now, I unfortunately don't have time to show you all the good stuff I have prepared right here for you. So I'm going to summarize. Jesus, when he came... John the Baptist came before Jesus. John the Baptist was the one in the wilderness saying, make straight the ways of the Lord. When Jesus talked about John the Baptist, he said, if you will receive it, John the Baptist is Elijah who would come to say, prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus said, 
John the Baptist was the greatest prophet that was ever born of women from the beginning until this day. But I tell you the truth, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist, who is the picture, the prophetic picture of Elijah. Elijah was called to bring a message of the king that God is turning the hearts back, both of individuals and nations, that he is the Lord. And you and I are carrying the spirit of God and you and I are greater than John the Baptist and John the Baptist is greater than Elijah. (laughs) That's right. You're a pretty big deal. And so how do we navigate that right now? We're in a nation whose leader says we're no longer a Christian nation. We're surrounded by leaders who increasingly feel like God is outdated and outmoded. We're filled with skeptics and critics. There's a lot of naturalism and humanism and a lot of isms. But how do we navigate? What can we learn from Elijah? Well, here's what we can learn. Some of us need to go home and take a nap. And you need to rest from the bad news. And take some time to eat some food. Break bread with those that you love. And get into the presence of God then. Just you and him and say, Lord, remind me of the vision. And let me just sprinkle in a little spice into this soup that I'm cooking up for you. God called Israel back. He called Jerusalem back. His heart never changed. And if you're curious about that, read what Paul has to say about Israel, about the Jews. But I want to say this. In Elijah's day, Israel didn't turn back. He died having not seen the fulfillment of what God intends for Israel. And Elisha died having not seen the fulfillment of what God intends for Israel. And Jesus died and rose again, having still not seen Jerusalem turn back. And Jerusalem was destroyed just like Jesus said it would be, just like all the prophets said that it would be. But wait, what's going on in the Middle East right now? What's that little place that everybody's watching? What's it called? Is it called Jerusalem? Did God keep his word Was a nation born in a day? Is he still calling out to Israel? Is he that faithful? Yes, he is. You realize there was a time when Bible scholars were doing like backflips and twisting themselves into little pretzels so that they could somehow figure out how to explain that there's no Jerusalem and how the Bible could be true? Man, it was a huge load off of them when God kept his word and actually had Israel come back, had Jerusalem come back. Now, we, we, we haven't been around for that because we're all a bunch of young bucks, but some of you are youngish bucks, and you remember this. You remember the, are you, are you guys hearing me here? Are you awake? This is cool stuff. What I'm trying to say is that for all of these that carried a message and the outcome didn't go the way they had hoped, we get to look and say, oh my goodness, God was true to his word. And Jerusalem, we're still waiting for Jerusalem and Israel to come back in the full way that the Bible says that they will. We're still waiting for that. But you know what? We're part of something bigger than us. And we might die before we see it with Jerusalem. And we might die before we see it with America. But I'll tell you one thing. My baby girl, or maybe my baby girl's baby girl, or maybe my baby girl's baby girl's baby girl is going to see it. But God will keep his word. And you and I, you and I, we get to carry the message. All that we need to do is faithfully serve 
and deliver the message. Are you guys with me? Do you see how this connects? You see how Elijah, we're just like Elijah. In fact, in the, in the hall of faith that says Elijah was somebody just like you. It's to encourage us right now. It's to encourage us right now. So if you've been really discouraged, can I have the prayer servant team come up in the wings here? If there's anybody here who is a prayer servant team, just make one up. If you want to pray for people, just come up in the wings here. <laughs> Listen, there are some of us that are like, God, America's in a really bad spot right now. I don't know if the gospel's going to work. I don't know if people want to repent. We're preaching the gospel, but you better just come. It's just getting worse. 330 million of the, of the almost 8 billion people on the earth are having a rough time. So since this 330 billion are having a rough time, we're not really used to a rough time, you better just come back. We're that important. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, American prophets. Take it easy. Dial it back a little bit. Dial it back a little bit. I know, we're having a hard time. I'm not saying we're not. But your job isn't to decide that it's the end of days. My job isn't to decide it's the end of the days, is it? No, no, no. Our job is to serve faithfully and deliver the message, even when we don't have the answers yet as to how that all works out. So, are you confused or are you encouraged? I heard a couple confused. Come talk to me afterwards. Isn't this good news? Now, isn't it interesting when I brought that word, that message, to this young woman? And that was a good, that was a fun story. Because you know what? She received the message. She received what the Spirit of God wanted to do in her life. So when I said, I see a little girl in a polka dot dress, she responded to the Spirit of God. And you know what she did? She grew in the Lord. That was a beautiful story. But you know what? I was neither able to make her respond, nor would I have been responsible if she didn't. You and I are not responsible to turn the nation back. That's God's job. That's the hearts of people. Our job is to serve faithfully and share the message of Jesus Christ. We're to live exemplary lives. Can you imagine for a minute, what if we, what if just we, this house, this tribe, what if we lived so generously, so faithfully, such exemplary lives of saying, I am a foster care parent because I love Jesus and he put it on my heart that in my city there will not be children that get pulled out of their broken homes and then they don't have any place to stay. I'm gonna have one of those children in my home because not on my watch. And people say, why do you do that? And you say, because Jesus rescued me from a broken, dysfunctional orphanage life. And so in a practical way, as a follower of Christ, I can't let this happen. What if we ran our businesses with such integrity and honesty and courage that we actually helped people to grow? I'm not talking about patting people on the head and letting them be dysfunctional. I'm talking about working through life. I'm talking about paying in such a way that people are actually jealous because they go, you work for a Christian? Oh my gosh, I hear that they pay better than everyone else. To their own hurt, they actually pay people better. I want to work for a Christian because they're honest. You know exactly what they expect from you. If you don't deliver, they will let you go after they write you up three times, but here's the deal. They have better pay and better benefits than anyone else. And when you ask them why, they say, because I love Jesus. Just dream with me for a minute. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that weird? And they go, you take 10% of your income and you give it to a church and you trust them? Have you seen all the bad press on churches? You go, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. 
The Bible teaches that the tenth belongs to him and to honor him with my first fruits. I feel bad when I can only do 10%, but, you know, some days are like that. But I do it because I trust the king of glory and his people. And as I've done it, we're equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, these are just tiny little dreams. But what would it look like if we all did that? And we stopped being so worried about the outcome and understood he's responsible for the outcome. He's faithful to the outcome. I only have to be faithful to serve and share the message. Amen? Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to remember that you're responsible for the outcome. And I thank you that you're so faithful, Lord, that you're still calling out to Jerusalem. Thank you, Lord, that even though Jerusalem was completely destroyed, you've actually rebuilt it. Thank you that we can look at Israel and see that you're still being faithful. Thank you, Lord, that you still have a dream for all nations. God, thank you, Lord Jesus, that there are billions of people who still have opportunity to respond to you. And God, I pray that we would understand our place in that and be encouraged. And I pray for everyone in this house, Lord, that if they need a nap, they'd take it. If they need to eat, they'd eat. If it's spiritual food, let them get in the word. If they need to be in your presence, as we all do, let us remember the vision and let us run this race with passion and confidence that you are faithful to bring the outcome. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer or healing in your body, please come up. Uh, we're, we're really happy to pray for you and we wanna bless you. Have a great week. I'm gonna be at the back. If you'd like a free copy of the story, please come and get one from me.